On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's Q4 production and delivery numbers are in, and I've got reactions and analysis. Plus, Tesla announces its first event of the year, Hertz's big Model 3 investment is already paying off, the Model S and X get a steering wheel option, as well as a few other tweaks and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you alongside my canine companions, Daisy the Boxer and Zelina the Future Service Dog. This is episode 388 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for January 8th, 2023. And this is one of those episodes, as I was preparing it this week, where I could not wait to record this tonight and get it out to you here, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. There was so much interesting news, not just there's always interesting news with Tesla. There's always something going on, but it's the topics are downright exciting this week. So I have been looking forward to recording this. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Hey, a quick mini bit of news slash PSA. Tesla's annual shareholder meeting is happening early this year relative to previous years. It's on May 16th. Now, a few weeks ahead of when it's usually held in early June. That is the the benchmark here. Uh, and then even in more recent years, traditionally it was early June, and more recently, these last two, three years, it's been August or later. Now, this leads me to wonder, fair bit of speculation, this is by no means any sort of confirmation of anything, but I look at that and go, well, wait a second, May 16th, why would they do that? Well, Since we already know that the annual shareholder meeting takes place at Giga Texas, I'm left to wonder, might this double as a Cybertruck launch event with that timing, May 16th? Hmm, it's a reasonable possibility at the very least. So file that away, keep that in mind. And if you are planning to attend the annual shareholder meeting this year, you do have to get an invitation. You have to register through, you know, register your shares to verify that you're a shareholder. And then it's basically a lottery system. So there's no guarantee that you'll get to go. But maybe if you're interested in going, just circle that on the calendar, May 16th, 2023. Uh, Before I get started with the rest of the news, I hope all of you backing me on Patreon at the appropriate tiers that get the lightning round mini episode each week, enjoy this week's mini episode, which I couldn't help but reflect back. Uh, as As I was mentioning last week, this is the ninth calendar year that Ride the Lightning has touched. It's been going for like seven and a half years overall, but nine calendar years, years it has spanned now. And so I took some time to reflect back on quite frankly, all of you, the amazing community of people that that listens to this podcast and the incredible opportunities that I've been fortunate enough to have because of this podcast now as it enters its ninth calendar year and uh, heading towards the eighth anniversary overall. So if you're already backing me on Patreon, you've already been notified that you have access to that. But if you're interested in supporting me on Patreon, this podcast is always free, but If you would like to voluntarily choose to support me, there are some perks and rewards for doing so. 
uh, the perks and rewards and all that stuff is detailed on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right, let's dive in because there is so much to talk about. I want to begin with Tesla's Q4 production and delivery numbers. And thus, we now also have the overall 2022 production and delivery numbers as well. The word from Tesla directly is as follows. In the fourth quarter, we produced over 439,000 vehicles and delivered over 405,000 vehicles. I want to just interject my own little note here. The Model S and X combined accounted for only 4.6% of that total, which really speaks to more of the growth of the volume on the three and especially the Y. Uh, above anything else. Anyway, Tesla continues saying, in 2022, vehicle deliveries grew 40% year over year to 1.31 million, while production grew 47% year over year to 1.37 million. We continued to transition towards a more even regional mix of vehicle builds, which again led to a further increase in cars in transit at the end of the quarter. Thank you to all of our customers, employees, suppliers, shareholders, and supporters who helped us achieve a great 2022 in light of significant COVID and supply chain related challenges throughout the year. Okay, so let's break this down. This is always fun. First, that Q4 number, 439,000 produced and 405,000 delivered. That is, unexpectedly, a new quarterly production and delivery record besting Q3 of 2022, which saw just under 366,000 cars produced and just under 344,000 delivered. If you're curious, the uh, the math on that, that is a 20% increase in vehicle production, which if you just stop and think about that for a second in the big picture, the grand scheme of things, the Pull it out to the 10,000 foot view, as I like to say. A 20% quarter over quarter increase in production. That is huge. Now, it's not quite the 2 million vehicle per year run rate that Tesla had said they had hoped, not promised, not guaranteed, hoped to exit 2022 with. Although to be fair, that could have just been a weekly production rate accounting, you know, equaling 2 million cars per year from the very last week of December. If they had hit that, though, we probably would have heard about it. So reasonably safe to assume they didn't hit that goal. I think that would be fair to call it a stretch goal. Like if it were a Kickstarter, that would have been a stretch goal. Although perhaps we could still hear about it on the earnings call if it happened. I that that call is happening, by the way, on January 25th. So I will have my usual highlights and analysis of the earnings call and the shareholder letter on episode 391, which is the episode that will release on January 29th. Anyway, though, I do think that Tesla probably would have let us know about that production milestone if they had reached it. If they had exited the year at a 2 million vehicle per year run rate, I think we would have heard about it because Tesla's been tweeting about their other production milestones that they've been hitting at Giga Berlin and Giga Texas on the company Twitter account. Still, though, 
I don't want to get hung up on that. This is quite simply very impressive. The numbers they delivered. Now, was Wall Street happy? No. Are they ever happy? Rarely. So they did, quote unquote, miss expectations. You know, they didn't meet expectations for Wall Street. The stock took a hit, but I'm not too focused on that. I'm focused on what they did achieve, which is pretty impressive. Now, Q4's production total, if we just take that, Tesla's been upping their production every single quarter, and they're probably going to be able to continue to do do that for the foreseeable future. If we just take, if we ignore the fact that they will probably be continuing to increase production quarter over quarter, if we were to just take Q4's total and extrapolate it out into 2023 for for the next four quarters, that would extrapolate out to about 1.7 million cars for 2023. Except, you know, barring any act of God level events like COVID, we know that it's going to be higher than that. Both Giga Berlin and Giga Texas are currently at 3,000 cars per week. Both are expected to reach volume production, which as you know by now, Tesla defines as 5,000 cars per week. And that milestone is expected to be achieved by the end of Q1, so the end of March. So that's roughly, if we just, I'm gonna do some back of the napkin math here, some rough math. Don't hold me to any of this, but I think these are reasonable projections. That would be roughly an extra 178,000 Model Ys that you could add on to that 1.75 million projection that I just did. That again, that assuming it stays consistent, which it won't. Again, this is back of the napkin stuff, not any kind of exact analysis, but that alone would put them right on the cusp of 2 million cars produced in 2023 with a rough count of 1.934 million. Again, just taking Q4 and equaling that in the duration of 2023 plus the added run rate from the uh, two new factories. Now the Model S and the and particularly the Model X, they still have some room to ramp up a little bit more. The Model 3 probably good where it is. I would think production-wise, but don't forget, we should be looking at roughly six months of Cybertruck production, give or take. Now, the first two to three of those are likely to be pretty low production, but uh, let's just say 25 weeks of Cybertruck production for the year. That's just under half the year. Just call it half a year for simplicity's sake. And let's say I'm just going with an overall average of 1,500 trucks per week. Because again, it'll start out a lot lower than that. But it should get to at least double that by the end of the year if all goes well. Meaning that I personally will roughly forecast 40 to 50,000 Cybertrucks in 2023. Now, what that's not going to do is put much of a dent in the reservation tally. Many of you are on that reservation list. I am as well. But it should, if Tesla were to achieve that, 40 to 50,000 Cybertrucks this year, it would put them comfortably over that 2 million car production threshold for the year. 
So, did all of you agree with me? I made Cybertruck's 2023 production the subject of this week's Patreon poll, and here is how you voted. Most of you were not quite as bullish on this as I am. Out of 189 votes, 32, the, the votes were actually pretty evenly dispersed through three of the categories. So I did a 5,000 or less category, five to 10,000, 10 to 25, 25 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100, and more than 100,000. None of you, zero people, thought that there'd be more than 100,000 Cybertrucks produced this year. Good job, because you are absolutely correct. There is no way that Tesla's gonna make more than 100,000 Cybertrucks in six months when they're at the very, very, very start of production. The, the plurality of votes went to the 10 to 25,000 category. 32% of respondents, roughly a third of you. Then 30% said five to 10,000. 23% of you, so nearly a quarter of you who responded to this thought that Tesla would make 5,000 or less Cybertrucks this year. Now, again, I, I understand why you would vote that way. I really do. Um, but I am definitely more bullish in this case. And then 2% of you thought 50 to 75,000 and 1% said 75,000 to 100,000. So uh, as the Tesla executive team has reminded us over and over again, by the way, the Patreon uh, vote, the weekly poll, the Patreon poll, that is free to vote in. You don't need to be a Patreon backer. I put the polls up generally every Tuesday evening. You can just go to my Patreon page to vote. It's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I would love to have you participate because the larger the sample size, the better the results in terms of the, the health of the data there. Anyway, as the Tesla executive team has reminded us over and over again on the quarterly earnings calls, they maintain that they can hit a growth rate of roughly 50% per year. Some years more, some years less. But taking that into account, if Tesla was at 1.37 million cars for 2022, that would put the written in pencil forecast for 2023 at... 2.055 million cars. And I think we've, or at least my maybe more optimistic Cybertruck projections, my my little back of the napkin math has, has put me right about at that same point. So we shall see what happens because there could certainly be significant headwinds to account for. Uh, Elon Musk is not the only prominent voice in the business world who has warned of a looming global recession this year, or at least a United States recession. So we hope that doesn't happen, but that is out there as something that is on the table. It is a possibility. There's also a serious COVID surge that is making its way through China right now. Now, whether or not that is going to have a direct effect on Tesla Shanghai in 2023, as it did in 2022, that remains to be seen. However, as always, I choose to be optimistic. And, and to that, I'll say Model Y may very well become the world's best-selling passenger vehicle this year. Model 3 is looking like it's going to get revamped as part of Project Highland. Well, not as part of, as 
defined by Project Island. The Model S and the Model X, as I mentioned a moment ago, have room to reach higher production levels. And honestly, they have quite a bit of room to go up. By my estimation, they've got about 25% more ceiling there to go. And then, of course, to add one more optimistic note, the Cybertruck is finally going to hit the streets. So it is going to be a very, very fun year in the world of Tesla. Speaking of fun, the first Tesla event of 2023 has already been announced here in the first week of January. It's going to be the 2023 Investor Day. They wrote on their investor relations page, we plan to host Tesla's 2023 Investor Day on March 1st, 2023. The event will be live streamed from our Gigafactory Texas with the option for some of our institutional and retail investors to attend in person. Our investors will be able to see our most advanced production line, as well as discuss long-term expansion plans, Generation 3 platform, capital allocation, and other subjects with our leadership team. And Tesla's investor relations lead, his name is Martin Vietcha, tweeted, mark your calendars for Tesla's investor day on March 1st. And he notes, not the same as the annual shareholder meeting. Some of our institutional and retail investors will be able to attend in-person details to follow and see Giga Texas production line and meet management. End quote. Thank you, Martin. I'm going to go out on a rather short limb here and suggest that the quote, most advanced production line mentioned there is the Cybertruck production line. And if I'm right about that, I think it is likely that not only will the nine ton gigapress be installed by March 1st, but the production line will likely be making pre-production Cybertrucks at that point to be shown off at that event with your investors. Now, but I say pre-production in uh, Tesla generally refers to this, at least they have in the past in sort of typical Silicon Valley parlance as release candidate vehicles. So whether you want to call them pre-production Cybertrucks or release candidate Cybertrucks, I think there is a very good chance that on that March 1st Tesla investor day, well, they'll, be, they'll be bringing in, in institutional and retail investors to tour the facility to see this advanced, most advanced production line. I think there's a very decent probability that Tesla will be building pre-production Cybertrucks on that production line for those folks to see on March 1st. Now, as for the, quote, discussing long-term production plan, excuse me, long-term expansion plans, Generation 3 platform, and other subjects with our leadership team, well, that almost certainly means a Q&A session with Elon, with Drew Baglino, and some of the other folks that we are used to hearing from on the earnings calls. So this event, to me, is going to be very interesting for two key reasons. Number one, potential Cybertruck news, i.e., They may give us a production start date at that March 1st event. And two, literally any next generation platform news that comes out of this will be big news, significant news. Now, for the love of all things Tesla, 
I send this message out to anyone who might end up being fortunate enough to attend. I ask you, please, with peace and love, ask this question on my behalf. If you have a chance to step up to the mic and ask Elon and the leadership team a question, if you're attending this investor day, when is the next generation Tesla Roadster going into production? If Tesla's going to talk about future projects at this thing, which they are, they're talking about the the next-gen platform, the Roadster should come before that next-gen platform. And so a question about the Roadster at that event, in that context, should absolutely be on the table. And I hope one of you or someone, (laughs) somebody will ask it. Now, I will do my best to get an answer to that question, That's uh, that burning question of mine. I'll do my best to get an answer to that myself between now and then, but just in case, I am humbly making this request to any of you who may end up attending. Next up this week, do you hate the autopilot nag that bugs you to apply gentle turning force on the steering wheel every eh, 30 seconds or so when autopilot's on? Well, an end to that may be in sight, but there's a catch. Whole Mars blog, who follows all things Tesla, tweeted, Users with more than 10,000 miles on FSD beta should be given the option to turn off the steering wheel nag. And Elon Musk responded to that tweet saying, quote, Agreed. Update coming in January. End quote. So first of all, it's January, so that's soon. But second of all, 10,000 miles on the FSD beta is a lot. I've been fortunate enough to have the beta for over a year now, and assuming that highway autopilot miles don't count, since those are, at least until version 11 arrives, those are on a separate software stack, in that case, I'd have to think that I'm nowhere close to 10,000 even after a year's worth of usage. Now, everybody's usage is different. In my case, the bulk of my miles-driven period are freeway miles, highway miles. But again, everybody's different. But obviously, that would be the incentive here to use the FSD beta more. That's what Tesla would be getting out of this. More data. However, uh, while the beta has come a long way from when I first got in back, you know, over a year ago. Because back then, if you remember me talking about it or if you were in it yourself at that point in time, it really would make sudden and unexpected and dangerous movements in a very unpredictable way. I am, I can honestly say those are all but gone now. Not that it doesn't still do the wrong thing, it does from time to time, but by and large, the crazy, unpredictable, insane stuff is is gone. And so I have to say, it's probably still a good idea to, even if this goes through, keep at least one hand on the wheel. I, I would, if even if I'm, if I have the, the autopilot nags turned off at some point, I'm still gonna be keeping a hand on that wheel. Because even if I'm just lightly resting on it, because, you know, it, it's if this gets implemented, you won't be bothered to apply that slight turning force if your hand isn't quite giving enough force for the system to be happy. And that would be nice to get rid of, where you know, you've know you got your hand on there, but you're just not torquing the wheel quite enough. 
even after four and a half years of driving autopilot, forget about the FSD beta, but just autopilot in general, I still, from time to time, the car will yell at me like, hey, torque the wheel a little more, give it a little more force. And, oh, I, you know, it, it's pretty much muscle memory, but it's, it's not 100% for me, at least. Maybe it is for you. But um, sometimes, yeah, I just, I feel like, I've had the car long enough to to have it be muscle memory, but every now and again, it gets me. However, I think all of that might end up moot because, and I don't mean to be a party pooper here, but looking at this realistically, given how much attention NHTSA has given, of course, the National Highway Traffic Safety Association, Given how much attention NHTSA has been paying to Tesla over these past couple of years, a couple of examples of that attention, if uh, if you need them, are NHTSA forcing Tesla to remove the rolling stop option from the FSD beta for when you come to a four-way stop and there's no one around. So that's one example. And then another one is when NHTSA forced Tesla to update their in-car games so that none of them could be played with the car and drive because there were a couple of them meant for passenger use, but there were a couple of them that could be utilized, could be played with the car and drive and, and NHTSA nicks that. And so because of all that, I personally find it hard to believe that NHTSA is going to go for this. I hope I'm wrong, but given that this is still a level two system, the regulators are almost certainly going to either stop this before it has a chance to get implemented at all, or Tesla will implement it and it will be targeted for takedown. Like NHTSA will just come at it real quick and Tesla will have to issue a very quick update to disable it. Basically to disable the disable option. Now, as I, as I often say, and I've just said moments ago, I'd love to be wrong about this, but, uh, my, my gut says, and history with NHTSA lately says, yeah, I'm not super optimistic that uh, that they're going to go for it. But we'll see. We'll see. If this update is due in January, maybe they'll at least be able to sneak it out and some of you will be able to enjoy it for at least a little while before NHTSA steps in. Next up this week, I want to say thank you to longtime listener James from the Bay Area for being the first person to let me know we had some very significant, in my opinion, breaking news in the greater Tesla community. Last night, Thursday night, came it came up pretty late, and that is this. A Model S and Model X steering wheel retrofit for the new S and X, i.e. the S's and X's with the yoke, is now available on the online Tesla shop and... It's in the design studio, so anyone ordering a new S or X today, starting right now, you can order it with the yoke or the wheel without any upcharge on either choice. You just choose which one you want. Now, the retrofit, for those of you that already have the new S and X and want this round wheel, the retrofit is $700. That price does include installation at a service center, and I just want to add... I hope you get to keep your yoke and it's not like a core charge thing where Tesla is going to take your yoke back and that's why the price is only, with heavy air quotes, 
$700. So I would say if you decide to take Tesla up on this, tell them you'd like your yoke. Uh, even after it comes off the car. Maybe, maybe you want to put it on the wall. Maybe you want to do something fun with it, uh, even if you're going to put the round wheel on your S or X. Anyway, uh, the availability of the retrofit is going to be in March per the shop.tesla.com website. The description reads as such, travel in luxury. Enjoy the warmth of a heated steering wheel and the touch of premium vegan leather in a traditional form factor. No stalks or shifters, end quote. Well, here's how I'm looking at this. From We now have about a year and a half of community data on this at this point. And the bulk of the SNX owners that I have seen post online about it, that's, again, that's not saying... It's not a blanket statement, but of the people that have seen fit to comment about it online, a lot of those SNX owners seem to really like it once they get used to it. Most of the long-term complaints that I've heard about the yoke are, in fact, about the buttons and the capacitive touch nature of those buttons as a replacement for the stalks. Not the yoke itself, but the buttons. Now, as you heard in Tesla's product description there, there are also no stalks that are part of this round steering wheel. It's still buttons. Now, this wheel, to describe it for you, it's pretty simple. It looks almost exactly like the yoke, except that the outer part is a round wheel rather than a more square-shaped yoke. Don't get me wrong, though. I want to be very clear. I am thrilled that Tesla is offering a choice to both existing owners of the new SNX and both brand new orders and prospective owners. Because now personally, I just, I don't feel like I have enough seat. I talked about this uh, a week or two ago when I got to drive Victoria's Model X Plaid. I don't think I have enough seat time with the yoke to, to really make my own proper evaluation of it. But I'm so glad to see Tesla offer this because here's how I do feel about this. And I've said this before. The yoke should never stop someone from buying a Tesla. And quite honestly, I suspect that it has been something that scared some buyers off up until now. It is great. It's just it is so great that now a prospective buyer can go on the design studio and immediately see as they're deciding if they want to order the car or not, that, oh yes, there is a regular round wheel option. And in fact, the round steering wheel is almost certainly going to be the uh, choice that's made by the majority of purchasers because the round wheel is now the default option in the design studio. You, if you don't click anything, it's around, you get a round wheel, you have to click the yoke to opt in and choose the yoke. Again, it doesn't cost anything, there's no cost difference, but it defaults to the wheel, and so I suspect most buyers are just gonna end up taking the wheel uh, either by conscious choice or because they kind of scroll on by and they, they maybe look and go, oh, yeah, no, I don't want, the, I don't want a yoke. So I, I would suspect the, the numbers on that are going to be Uh, very heavily in the wheels' favor. Now, 
This also leads to some speculation on my part, and that is this. Are the Model 3 and Model Y going to get the same exact steering wheel pretty soon as well, thus going stockless themselves? Because don't forget, we had that rumor from just a couple of months ago that the that stocks, that the, the uh, 3 and the Y were going to have a new wheel. It did not happen at the model year changeover in early November like I thought it might. That's when I thought that the odds were good that it would happen. It did not. So perhaps all four cars are going to be getting it at roughly the same time. Now, if you select a Plaid Model S with a round wheel in the design studio right now, the delivery estimate shows January to March, which suggests to me that they have these round wheels right now or they will in a couple of weeks for new builds, which would mean that Tesla, if I'm correct about any of this, and I might not be, maybe this wheel is just gonna be for the S and the X, and the three and the Y are gonna stick with the wheel they have and the stalks that they have, but if all four cars are gonna get this exact same steering wheel, it would mean that Tesla is ordering these wheels in mass from their supplier and thus making it an, a very minimal extra cost to offer it as a choice on the S and the X on top of the three and the Y, which is obviously where all the volume is going to be coming from here. Also, speaking of the new S and the X and specifically the plaid, I want to say thank you to teslanorth.com for pointing out that there is a new description for the plaids on the design studio when you choose plaid. Under plaid features, one of the items reads higher thermal capacity brake calipers. Furthermore, I also noticed that if you select the 21 inch arachnid wheels that, are, that their style is such that you can see through the spokes of the wheels and see the brake calipers, whereas on the 19 inch Tempest Aero wheels on the Model S, you really can't see the calipers. Uh, they're back to red on the plaid. Red calipers appear to be back. So is Tesla going to get back to their own tradition and offer larger red brake calipers on their performance models? The answer is yes, they are. And quite honestly, you know, the red calipers are one of the only things, one of a, a, it's on a very short list, one of the very few things that sets a Model 3 performance or Model Y performance apart from the non-performance versions of the car, particularly from the outside. And honestly, I think they just look super nice. Those red, those bigger red calipers look so nice on a 3 or on a Y. And so for the premium you're paying on a Model S or Model X Plaid, you should get an upgrade that is both cosmetically nice and also functionally nice. And funny enough, the calipers were originally red in the design studio when the Plaids were first announced back in, in fact, almost a year ago. It was February or two years ago, February of 2021. And then by the time the cars were actually delivered, it was, it was before that, but at some point Tesla 
got they got rid of that on the design studio and just put in plain black calipers, the same ones as the regular long range SRX. And that's how they've been delivering for the last year and a half here. And so I, for one, love, love, love the cosmetic side of this, having red brake calipers on the plaids again. And more importantly, Tesla does appear to now be putting better brakes on the plaids from a functional perspective, which is great to see because uh, the common criticism of the plaid from everybody from uh, Marquez Brownlee, who is a plaid owner himself, and the like, the Throttle House YouTube channel, I really like their stuff. Uh, they, th- those people, both Marquez and the Throttle House guys and other, other coverage has called out how the plaid's brakes up until now just have not been nearly enough to keep up with the incredible performance on that car. Like just the brakes don't match the performance and that's a problem. So I'm really happy to see Tesla taking a significant step to rectify that. Obviously, we're going to have to wait till somebody takes delivery of a plaid with these new brakes and somebody has the wherewithal to actually do braking tests, ideally comparing to an existing plaid so you can really get an apples to apples comparison. But we'll find out soon enough about the capabilities of these better brakes. One other quick Model X note by the way, I want to say thank you to listener Nadav for letting me know that the price of the seven seat Model X dropped by $4,000. It's now $120,000 is the base price for a seven seat Model X. Granted, that's still a lot higher than it was a year and a half ago or so, but we'll take the price drop nevertheless, considering that I think this is the first Tesla price reduction that I can remember for any of the four cars in quite some time. Still not done with the new S and X though. There's one more tweak for both the S and the X that's happened. And that is the Tesla T logo badge on the rear of the car has been eliminated. On the Model X, it continues to say, Tesla, T-E-S-L-A, on that glossy black trim that spans the space between the taillights. It's the same spot that it used to be chrome up until the, the refresh. It's a slightly bigger difference on the back of the new Model S, though, where they always had the Tesla T logo badge and that T-E-S-L-A across the trim piece until about a year ago, They remember they redid the taillights and the headlights, but speaking about the back of the car, Tesla redid the taillights and got rid of that glossy black trim piece that said T-E-S-L-A on it. And instead, they just had the T logo above, above that. And then they had a, a plain glossy black piece of trim between the taillights. So now there's no T logo and that glossy black trim piece that goes between the two new redesigned taillights from a year ago, just above the license plate, the T-E-S-L-A lettering is back and it's on that shorter, that that smaller trim piece. And if you just take a look at it on the design studio, because honestly, I really like this change. Simple though it may seem, 
it's subtle, but it's subtle and simple, but I like it a lot because I thought that it always looked weird to have both the T logo and the T-E-S-L-A letters there, especially after the refresh happened because then you had the chrome T logo badge and the glossy black T-E-S-L-A trim stacked right on top of each other. And so that just sort of clashed weirdly and badly to me. So this new tweak to me really cleans up the back of the car nicely, particularly on the Model S. All right, we're still not done. Gosh, 30, almost 40 minutes into the podcast here and we are still rolling. The next story this week, Hertz. Hertz's big Model 3 investment, they've also other EVs, but we know the Model 3 is a big part of it. Their big EV investment is already paying off. Hertz has seen an increase. I believe I saw this story on Drive Tesla Canada, I think. Uh, I forgot to write down the source here. My apologies on that. Hertz has seen an increase of 12% in yearly profits since investing in EVs. According to a report by The Cooldown, the company has looked to transition to EVs to optimize its fleet and lower costs. Hertz CEO Stephen Scher had this to say in a recent interview, quote, We focused on operational excellence and fleet optimization to produce financial results that facilitated investment in our strategic priorities, like electrification, while enhancing returns to our shareholders and being in the service of our customers. And so I think the opening of that valve, if you will, the supply of EVs to add to what we're doing around Tesla and Polestar, I think will be a positive, both in terms of customer experience and in the overall economic picture, end quote. Well, you know, I think it's good to follow up on stuff like this some months down the line when these big initiatives get announced, kind of like when the, the police fleets will get a, a Tesla as a, you know, in a sort of a pilot program and they'll, they'll see if the Tesla works well for police work. And in pretty much every single instance that has proven to be the case. That's why it's fun to, to follow up those stories. And, and it's the same thing here. Yes, the strategy from Hertz is quite literally paying off. Now, remember that they paired this with what must have been a pretty significant investment in a new marketing campaign, which as you may remember, starred Tom Brady. But the bigger picture is that Hertz placed a literal big bet on electric vehicles. Yes, Polestar's in there, GM EVs are part of the fleet too, but Tesla represents by far the biggest portion of Hertz's investment. And I'm so glad that it's working out for them. And quite frankly, I think it's going to inspire other fleet managers to go electric as well. And when more rental car companies have more EVs and specifically Teslas, more Teslas in our case, that means more people will inevitably give Tesla a try. And well, you know what comes next, butts in seats equals sales for Teslas. Many of you are probably Tesla owners specifically because a test drive convinced you. You know, one other benefit as well to more rental car companies adding more EVs to their fleets is that that added competition should hopefully lead to better prices, better rental rates for customers. So Bravo Hertz, 
keep going. Feel free to continue replacing more of your fleet with electric vehicles. Here's another news story that I am ecstatic about this week. Tesla's Tom Zhu has taken over North American sales, service, and deliveries. Saw this story written up on Tesla Roddy, who writes, Tesla's global vice president and CEO of the greater China region, Tom Zhu, took over responsibilities for sales, service, and deliveries in North America, Electric reported, citing sources familiar with the matter. The publication noted that Zhu's title remains vice president in charge of the Asia-Pacific region, but he's been added to the North American Sales, Service, and Delivery organization chart. Zhu, a veteran at Tesla who began his career with the electric vehicle maker in 2014, oversaw Gigafactory Shanghai from its construction to operations. Zhu's leadership has seen Tesla grow in China from the building of Gigafactory Shanghai to it becoming a large export hub. He helped the company build up its supercharger network, and earlier reports from China revealed that he was tasked to oversee Tesla's Asia-Pacific operations. So again, I am over the moon with this news. Honestly, I'm not even kidding. This, to me, is the best Tesla news in a long time. And, and that's not to say, that's not to say there hasn't been good news. I'm saying the opposite, that there's been plenty of good news and fun news. I think this is really, really good because for years now, you have heard me go on and on about how Tesla needs to scale their service efforts to keep pace with the rapid growth of the fleet each year. I've been saying how absolutely catastrophic it would be if Tesla manages to deliver, excuse me, to develop a bad reputation for service because that kind of reputation, a bad reputation is a thing that's difficult to shake and it just takes a long time to change people's mindsets even after you have actually course corrected. So in other words, if Tesla were to get to that point And honestly, I don't think they have yet. I think they're not, they haven't been trending in the right direction as far as their reputation for service. And I also want to admit here, this is very difficult to define or quantify. I'm sure if the people at Tesla do have ways to define and quantify this. But anyway, the thing is, if if they slid down to the point where they just got slapped with a reputation of having bad service, they'd have a really hard time digging out of that. And it would harm the brand, and thus, it would harm the company's mission and harm the EV movement in general. That, that to me, is how significant service is. And that's, I know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from the more holistic picture, and I, I don't want to overlook the fact that I'm a Tesla owner And many of you are Tesla owners. We just as customers want good service as well. So I'm not just looking at this from the Tesla corporate shareholder kind of perspective. I'm also looking at it as an actual owner who is going to need service from time to time. So, you know, and many of you have probably experienced some level of frustration with Tesla service 
over the past few years. Because part of the concern that I have had about this critical issue is that ever since Tesla's previous head of service, a guy named John McNeil, John left the company back in early 2018. A month, in fact, I looked it up, a month shy of five years ago, February of 2018. That's before I got my Model 3. That's before most of us got our Model 3s. So since John left five years ago, Tesla has not had someone dedicating their entire work week to sales, service, and deliveries. Elon, you may recall, assumed those duties himself. He just took over that division and had it report up to him. But as we know, Elon has many responsibilities, not just at Tesla, but also at other companies as well. So just getting someone besides Elon, and I'm not trying to say Elon's bad at it. I'm just trying to say it's bad that there's not someone focusing on it full time. That's my point here. So, and that's, that's why this is so awesome. Just getting somebody besides Elon in this role who can focus on it for 40 plus hours a week is huge. And it's even better that it's Mr. Zhu who has, as you heard, has headed up Tesla China, AKA the arm of the company that has exceeded literally every goal that has ever been set for it. So the fact that it's Mr. Zhu here, that just makes this even better because his track record suggests that he is going to make a significant positive difference in the area of service. And so I love this move. This is my favorite thing that happened in the world of Tesla this week, even more than cleaning up the back end of the Model S, which, you know, those kinds of little design things, I eat up. I love that stuff, but this is way better. This is so great. So welcome, Mr. Zhu. And we all, as owners, look forward to you improving the every aspect of Tesla service. Uh, finally, this week, I you know I hate to end on a, especially after I just came off a joyous story, but I, so many of you have heard about this. This this was a big a big story this week. I would be remiss if I didn't mention it and just just kind of react to it. Basically. Uh, you may have heard this week about a Model Y with a family of four inside it that was driven off of a very rocky, very tall 250-foot cliff at a place called Devil's Slide here in Northern California. Now, all the, so it's, it starts out as a great story. 250-foot descent off this rocky cliff. The Model Y, the pictures of it are kind of, I mean, not kind they are horrifying when you see the car. Like, the, the, the passenger area of the car is actually remarkably intact. The rest of the car is a pancake, which is exactly how it's designed. But the story starts out as being an incredible story. Because all four people survived. In fact, the children who were small enough children that uh, you could see in the pictures, they're both in car seats. 
The kids were described by the fire chief on the scene as, quote, more scared than hurt. So the children were effectively unharmed when their car went off a cliff 250 feet down to the base of the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, But then the story, unfortunately, takes an extraordinarily dark turn. And I'll just, if you haven't heard this, I'll just mention it. Um, This isn't really what I'm going to react to. But I, again, I, I I have to pass this along because it is a critical component of the story. It's, it's it's awful. But when the family was rescued, the father, the husband, the the driver, was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder of his wife and child endangerment of his children because the authorities have. Strong, strong enough reason to suspect that this was done intentionally, that the vehicle was intentionally sent off this cliff. And so that's, that's a whole other situation. Um, I, I mean, seemingly the, I would expect that the wife or that, that the husband probably said something to the wife right before, you know, kind of like the, I don't even want to make light of it. I was going to say like kind of like the villain in a movie, like explaining why he did what he did. But even that kind of anyway, I would I suspect that the the husband said something, explained himself prior to attempting to kill himself and his entire family. And except the part where he happened to be in the safest vehicle on the planet. And so I am I am so thrilled I'm so glad that after such a heinous and, and vile and despicable act that the wife and children will survive. And of course, the husband will hopefully be held held to account for for what he's done. But it just just getting back to the setting the the context and the the. The other parts of this story aside, which again, not not to trivialize or minimize them, but I told my wife about this story and you know what she said to me? And this is a person who, you know, she's been driving her Mini Cooper for 18 years, whatever it is. I guess it's going to be 19 this year and she's test driven the Model 3 and we were thinking about the Chevy Bolt and now we're kind of like, well, maybe, you know, we'll just kind of hang back. Maybe we'll do the Cybertruck and just kind of hang on to the Mini for a bit longer, but Hurry! She said, I showed her the pictures and I explained the story to her. And she said to me again, remember, she's not a car person at all in any way, shape or form. She is the opposite of me in that regard. But she said with a dead serious tone and expression, she said, that makes me want to get a Model Y. Again, not trivializing what happened to that family, but that's, it's really incredible that a Tesla was safe enough. Now it's, if things had gone differently, you know, if the the car landed on its wheels, what was left of them. And certainly I'm sure that could have, it's very possible that could have gone differently and, and not ended as well for the family. But the fact of the matter is that the, 
Uh, I shoot. I wish I had written down the quote. Dang it! I thought I the the that same fire chief also gave a quote to the to the reporters covering the story, and he said, "I'm gonna have to paraphrase now," but he said something like, "We we pull vehicles out of there all the time. They never live." Though, though I believe I've got that part of it exactly correct. I mean, he's. It was very clear. He said, he said, this was a miracle. They never live. And so it's, it just, it really just reinforces like I, my, this, this reinforced why my wife and I have, we'd already moved on, but this, this solidified it. We, we have moved on from considering anything other than a Tesla for her next car because this level of, and it's, again, it's not to say that other, there are, other EVs are safe. I'm not trying to say it's Tesla or nothing, and I'm not trying to say that, but Tesla has, objectively speaking, per United States and European government testing, the safest vehicles ever tested. And so that level of safety is priceless. It is absolutely priceless. Now, you know, there's still the r- real life is real life and you have to account for, well, can I, you know, not everybody can afford a Tesla. And that's why the neck, the third generation car that's 25 grand, 30 grand is going to be super important. But, but boy, it just, it really was a, it was just a, a reminder that, yep, I am so grateful that I have the privilege of transporting my family in my Model 3, you know, the safest car in the world alongside the Y with the S and the X not far behind it. I mean, it's really, it's really uh, astounding what these cars and what, what the entire teams, the engineering teams, the material science teams, all the, the hundreds and thousands of people that design and build these cars at Tesla what what incredible work that they have achieved and it's really astounding so bravo to the tesla teams and i'm so glad that 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 the the wife and children in this heinous act and this horrific accident are safe and they uh will get a chance to live their lives and uh that that's i i don't know how to segue out of this one i mean it's that is the last thing I've got for you. I know I've been talking for quite a while. I'm going to do just a couple of quick Ride the Lightning calls for you here. So stick around. I'll get to those right after this. It's time to hear from all of you in the Ride the Lightning hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of Ride the Lightning each week. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, please feel free to call in and leave me that voicemail. So you can either do exactly that by dialing up the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number. You can call it anytime, 1-888-989-8752. That's one 888 T-S-L-A, or you can take that same call and please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record it, and then email the file to me at 
teslapodcast at gmail.com. And the Ride the Lightning hotline is provided by lifeonrecord.com. Big thanks to them. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Again, you can visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me go to Darren from Northern Virginia. Hey there, Ryan. Hope you're doing well. This is Darren again from Northern Virginia. Loved your predictions episode last week. I have two thoughts regarding the magical price tag at the Cybertruck. I really hope that you're right on the $95,000 price tag for the quad motor. I think that it would be such a bummer to see it at over $100,000, but I wouldn't put it past Tesla, honestly. In that regard, after seeing the updates of the latest prototype and some unannounced upgrades to the truck over the past four years, do you think that it is also possible that this might be in the Model S or Model X price category? I can kind of see it going both ways in that the demand is there and the quad motor Cybertruck will have a range of over 500 miles, thus outclassing the Model S and X. I really hope that Tesla considers this vehicle to be a high volume vehicle in the same vein as Model 3 and Model Y, but I can also see them viewing it as its own category and pricing it as such. My second thought is, do you think that it is also possible that they might offer two tiers of quad motor Cybertruck? One, a plaid with a reduced range, but quicker 0 to 60, and one with 500 miles of range and a slower 0 to 60? Thanks once again, Ryan. Darren, thanks for calling in. I don't think the quad motor Cybertruck will quite reach Model S and X levels price-wise, at least not without adding full self-driving. And here's my reasoning for that. Number one... It's not a luxury vehicle, obviously. It's utilitarian. Two, the competition is not over $100,000 other than the Hummer EV, but, you know, that beast is kind of in its own class, if you ask me. Uh, By comparison, the Rivian R1T, if you load it up, maxes out in the low 90s. And Tesla also is uh, not the first to market in this segment. That does matter. Number three, one of the key reasons that the Cybertruck looks the way it looks and is the way it is, is because it's supposed to be much simpler and cheaper for Tesla to build. While, you know, lower production costs aren't necessarily a guarantee that the company's gonna pass any of those savings along to the customer, I just don't see the quad motor Cybertruck being priced as high as a Model S, which, as you know, starts at $105,000, even with a 25% range advantage. It's a utilitarian truck versus a, a, a premium luxury performance sedan. I suspect that Tesla does view the Cybertruck as its own category of vehicle, to address one of your other points, rather than seeing it in either the same high volume category as the three and the Y, or in that premium luxury category like the S or the X. I mean, remember that Elon answered my question back at Battery Day in 2020 about this exact topic and said, at least at the time, that the maximum yearly production of the Cybertruck would be about a quarter million, about 250,000 units per year, which would put it well above the S or X individually, and in fact, well above the S and the X combined. Like, individually, it'd be about five times higher than 
either of those two or about two and a half times higher than the two of them together. But it would still put it well below the annual production run rate of the Model 3 and especially the Model Y. Now, finally, to answer your question about whether there might be two different quad motor choices, one with an emphasis on performance and the other with an emphasis on range. Respectfully, Darren, I don't think so. I don't think so. My opinion there is, and it is just that opinion. I don't actually know yet, as none of us do, but my opinion there is based on Tesla's at this point, pretty well-established preference to keep production as absolutely simple as possible. So I just don't see them doing that for that reason. But as we learned on my predictions episode last week, when I was tallying up my score from 2022, I've been wrong before. So Darren, thank you again for your call. I'm going to do just one more call for this week and then I will do my best to get to plenty more calls on next week's podcast. So here is Les from British Columbia. Let's see if we can help him out. Hi, Ryan. I'm Les from British Columbia. I'm calling in regards to my daughter's 2020 Standard Range Plus Model 3. There have been times recently, approximately three times in the last two months, where her car will not go into gear, making the car undrivable. Everything else in the car functions normally, just can't drive it. When this happens, she gets the same two error messages on her screen. One, acceleration and top speed reduced. Two, automatic emergency braking is disabled. It typically takes four or five days of the car sitting and it will eventually go back into gear and be drivable once again. Tesla service has been a very little help. We've had mobile service before for some other problems, but they will not send mobile service to check this problem out. They require that the car be towed to a service center, which in our case is over 250 miles away. I'm hoping that one of your listeners may have experienced this problem and may know a possible fix. Please give Daisy and Zelina a pat from us. Thanks for your time, Ryan, and keep up the great work. Well, first of all, Les, I am more than happy to pass along those puppy pets for you. But more seriously... I am really sorry to hear about this problem that your daughter's Model 3 is having. The fact that it sounds like it's intermittent, that would probably make, I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but that would probably make me crazier than if it was a predictable and consistent problem. And I'm bummed to hear that Tesla service isn't being more proactive for you on this, particularly since you said that she lives so far away from a service center. But I have to imagine that Tesla, not I have to imagine, I know from personal experience with my own service issues with like the the FSD, uh, the autopilot bugs I was having last August, I think it was. Anyway, I know we know that that they can see the error codes, any error codes that the car is spitting out by logging in and, and taking a look at the car's logs. So. I don't have a solution for you, certainly, but I am happy to put this out there just in case anybody else has also run into this and may have some constructive suggestion. Maybe there's a known diagnosis out there, perhaps even a solution out there that could be of help to you and perhaps be of help to others who may encounter this as well. So, Les, good luck to you and your daughter on this one. And with that, uh, I will... Press stop on the hotline for now because the show is already getting pretty long. I talked for, 
There was a lot of news to talk about. I got really excited, like I told you at the top. But I'll uh, I'll get to more calls soon enough. Keep them coming, though, in the meantime. If you want to react, I mean, I suspect a lot of you are going to have thoughts on the Model S and X getting a steering wheel option. And there, there's plenty to... Plenty of exciting stuff to comment on this week, so send me your calls if you'd like to reach out and possibly be featured on the podcast. For now, though, stick around. I'm still not quite done. I'm going to give you the pro tip of the week and a little bit more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, it's been stormwatch-tastic here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We've been whacked by a couple of serious rainstorms that took down trees, that caused some flooding. Thankfully, my home has been unaffected, and uh, my I have not had to ford through any impromptu rivers in my Tesla, which, you know, there's always videos that pop up of that. And I'm always, I always just like that. My, the hair on my arm stands up when I see those. Cause I'm like, Oh, that could be bad. If, if water gets in anywhere in the wrong spot, it's going to be bad. But no, it's uh it's been a weird weather week here in the greater San Francisco Bay area. And so my car's filthy, but Hey, there's more rain coming. So there's no point in cleaning it anytime soon. And, and the other kind of big thing happening in my house this week is not car related, but my uh, my lovely boxer Daisy just underwent a what ended up being a slightly more serious than expected surgery. Thankfully, still very minor. She's got her e collar on right now, laying on the couch, and she's not thrilled about that e collar. Of course, no dog is, but she uh, she just has a little growth that that kind of got bigger pretty quickly under her jaw. So I had that, had that removed. Uh, but I'd also, there was some, some, just some little bit of dental stuff. She had some like gum overgrowth, which apparently boxers are prone to. My last boxer, Maggie had it too. And as she was trimming that back, what she gives me a call says, uh, Daisy's got three extra teeth. So can I extract them? You know, she's, cause it's, it costs more money, so she was nice to call and ask. I was like, yes, please, please do. Let's get those out of there. Uh, Maggie had that much later in life, and it ended up being kind of a, a bigger problem. So poor Daisy had a little thing cut off her face. No big deal, seemingly, uh, pending the pathology results of that. But uh, And then the poor, poor puppy just getting her mouth kind of cleaned out, get those gums pared back so that those teeth are... are able to do their thing and she, she ended up having a couple of extractions as well so she's relaxing right now she's doing okay the big problem in the house right now is that Zelina her the way she plays with Daisy is by you know play she, she uses her little puppy teeth and she grabs on to Daisy's neck and that's how they play and in fact today I had to take Daisy back because one of the stitches got busted. So I, I was not uh, strict enough about it. I didn't put the the e-collar on her head and, and they were playing a little bit. And I'm like watching it, watching it. And then, and then I saw, oh, nope, a little bit of blood there. Uh, all right. 
It's my own fault. Nobody to blame but myself. So the poor, the poor puppies, like, especially, I mean, Daisy's tried to play with her too. It's not just a one way street. Daisy's wants to play and they're not allowed to play. So I got to keep them separated. And it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a, of a hassle out of what was really, again, a fortunately a fairly simple little surgical thing, but the, this, the, the recovery is almost worse in terms of having to, having to deal with the two, the two dogs. Anyway, I hope all of your four-legged friends in your homes are doing well. How about a pro tip of the week? It comes from David in Wildemar, California. Hi, Ryan. This is David Vakil from Wildemar, California, longtime listener. I'm calling in with a pro tip. I just got the latest update, full self-driving beta um, driver, so we just got the holiday update a couple days ago. And I noticed when I was driving today that if you accidentally swipe down on the music card that's on the control side of the monitor, it goes away. And I tried to swipe it back up and left and right, but that didn't work. But I noticed that a new icon appeared on the toolbar next to the climate settings. It's a little square, gray square with a music note. And if you press that, your cards come back and then you can swipe left and right and you can see your mileage and your tire pressure. So if anybody wondered what happened to their card, that's how you get it back. Look for that new icon. Um, it always seems to be there when it went down there. The other icons got squished a little closer together, but um, that's my pro tip. Thanks for your show. Love it. Been listening ever since you started. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. This is an excellent tip, David. Thank you so much. In fact, I just had to use this tip. I had to think about it because this happened to me today. I was trying to swipe left to get to just check my tire pressure because it was trying to kind of chilly outside. And I was like, hey, let me just make sure tire pressure is okay. And I accidentally swiped, I guess, a little bit down and it went away. And I was like, oh, I remember David's call. What do I do? Okay, yep, there it is. I'm good. So uh, by the way, I recognize your name going back many years, David. Great to have you calling in. And this will no doubt help others, such as, as like I said, it helped me today. So I think your tip's going to help a lot of folks out there as we get used to the uh, latest version of the UI. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it my way so that you can educate me, educate your fellow listeners, your fellow uh, Tesla owners and enthusiasts. You can send that pro tip of the weekend, the same way that you send the regular Ride the Lightning hotline call, which I told you how to do a little earlier in the podcast. All right, before I get out of here, because I have already been talking for quite a while this week, I want to mention some friends of the podcast that can perhaps be of use to you, starting with abstractocean.com. They make a ton of awesome aftermarket accessories for your Tesla, any of them, S3, X, or Y. Check them out. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors, which is their fourth generation of those. They've got the drop-in cup holder stabilizer. They've got all kinds of stuff. So don't miss it abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Next up is the snap plate, the front license plate bracket that I highly recommend if you either want or legally need to put a front license plate on your car, depending on where you live. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design that blends really nicely with the front end of the Tesla when it's installed. And if you choose to remove it, whether you're detailing it or taking it to a car show or what have you, it will leave no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. Make those fix-it tickets go away. For those of you who, like me, 
maybe don't like having to use a front license plate so much, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. An update on my solar installation with Budget Safe Solar. We are now at the final phase where we are, we have apparently a four to six week wait while uh, we get the final sign off. So it looks like all the permitting's good, all that stuff. So it's just the permission to operate the final stage. So I'm kind of annoyed that it's four to six weeks, but I guess if it's gotta be, if it's gotta drag on like this with this red tape that at least you probably don't have in your state, for those of you outside of California, but at least it's the winter. Because if it were the summer, I'd be missing out on the literal like peak energy generation time. So anyway, uh, if you're interested in solar and it doesn't work out with Tesla solar for whatever reason, as it didn't for me, I implore you to at least take a look at budgetsafesolar.com. They uh, will take good care of you as they have been taking good care of me thus far. So check them out. And if you do proceed with an installation for your home or business property, please use the referral code RTL. Immaculate Reflections, if you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, don't forget to take your car over to Immaculate Reflections for a spa day. Whether you want ceramic coating, paint protection film, paint correction, or more, one or more of those, check it out. IR Detailing is the website to go to to get in touch with the owner. His name is Jeff. And if you do reach out, and if you do book work with him and say, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have that discount? He will say, yep, no problem. And you'll get a nice little discount on your work. So uh, the Yelp, if you want to take a look at his Yelp reviews, is yelp.com slash immaculate reflections. His Instagram page is, well, his handle is immaculate underscore reflections on Instagram. And again, the website, irdetailing.com. Meanwhile, puretesla.com has your one-stop shop for dash cam and sentry mode setups because, well, it's a good idea to have a micro SD based solution because micro SD is really designed much better for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode need to do compared to regular USB flash memory. $49 will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. 69 bucks if you want to step up to the 256 gig. Comes fully formatted, out of the package, ready to plug straight into your car and just work. It'll work with Mac or PC when you need to take it out and check the footage. And free shipping anywhere in the US, modest shipping fee for international shipping. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. And that brings me to my Patreon. I mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but... Again, starting calendar year number nine of Ride the Lightning, my hope is that at some point in time, perhaps it is now, that I will earn your support on Patreon. This is a free podcast. It will always stay free. But if you see fit to support me on Patreon, I would really humbly and sincerely appreciate it. You can find all the information on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n there are monthly pledge tiers or you can do the annual option Uh, the annual option you'll get a five percent discount for committing for that full 12 months so you can take advantage of that Uh, the base level tier is just five bucks a month and in return for that you will not only be supporting me 
but you will get early access to each week's episode. Then there's that $10 tier that I talk about at the top of the show, which I call the ludicrous tier. And that one gets you the early access and gets you those 30 and counting weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes. Uh, You can find the podcast on any of the major podcast services. I urge you to subscribe or do whatever it is each service calls it, follow, subscribe, whatever. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all those, all the big ones. It's free to subscribe. It just means the show will automatically push out to you every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific when a new episode drops, so you don't have to remember to go look for it each week. I am also on YouTube, just audio only. It's just an audio syndication in my case, but if you do prefer to listen there, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. My Twitter and Instagram handles are the same. If you're interested in following me on either of those social media platforms, DMC underscore Ryan, that is my handle there. And with that, I want to say hello and thank you to the upper tier Patreon backers, the extra generous folks. I'll start with the plaid level supporters. They're grandfathered in. The plaid tier itself is no more, but plaid continues on. By the way, if you're hearing any dog whining or barking in the background, it's they started to try and play and they can't play because Daisy already had the wound opened up and had to take her to the vet today to get it get it re-sewn up with the stitches. So I had to pause the podcast. Uh, anyway, you don't care about that. It's I'm just just trying to explain any potential canine background noise. Anyway, the grandfathered in plaid supporters, thank you so much for your continued support. To George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. That brings me to the maximum plaid backers. Uh, We have, as of, well, as of me recording this, our monthly Patreon Zoom hangout is tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully a lot of these folks will be there. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, we Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, 
Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, and Adam Lavoie. Finally, an extra big thanks to the extraordinarily generous folks in the Roadster in Space tier category of the Patreon, the highest tier. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Caro Weston. With that, I've come to the end of the very long episode 388. I hope you enjoyed this one. As I said, I, I was uh, just having a ball putting this one together because one interesting, fascinating, compelling story after another kept coming into play. Uh, I, I really enjoyed talking about the changes to the Model S and the Model X and the return of the new, you know, the, the re- return of a steering wheel option and the return of the red brake calipers, the tweaks to the rear end. All that's, I just love all those little design elements. And certainly it was fun to dig into the production and delivery numbers for Q4 and thus for the whole year. Just a, an extra fun episode for me. Hopefully it was for you too. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you soon. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.